Good evening and welcome to the Effort Hour, Effort, where we talk about every word that starts with the letter F. Mm. Tonight, my F word is going to be fudge. Mm. And no, it's not the candy with the nuts and the peanut butter and all that good stuff. It's Derek Fudge, the father of Dion Green. And so tonight I have my brother here in the office. Um, we became friends, we just realized a year ago, right? It seems like it's been so much longer than that. Right. But um, Dion has become not just um, an advocate, but a voice for his father and others who have been killed in mass shootings. And so I appreciate you being here this evening. He is definitely not just a friend. He's not just a comrade, but he's truly my brother. And so welcome to my office for the effort hour. And um, give us a little bit of information about who you are and who your dad is. I, I say is, I don't use past tense because he's always going to be your dad. Um, but share with us who you are, how you got started in this, and who Derek Fudge is to you. Well, well, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be here to, you know, be able to speak on my father's name and to share what I'm going through and, and, and the fight that I'll continue fighting. August 4th, 2019, that's when my journey began. It was a mass shooting that happened in Dayton, Ohio, that killed nine people and injured multiple people. My father, Derek Fudge, uh, he was standing right beside me when he got shot by the shooter. Connor Betts, I really don't like to say his name because I feel like we're glorifying him, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna say his name on this podcast. His name was Connor Betts. He shot nine people, my father, including his sister that was in front of me. And, um, when you say his sister, your father's sister or? The shooter's sister. The sh he shot his own sister. Yeah, he shot his own okay, sister. He wow. shot his own sister. Okay. And um, ever since that day, um, maybe about a week after, that's when I really got into the fight, when I got denied victims of crime advocate, mm -hmm. the victim of crime, you know, due to my father's past. My father, you know, growing up, like I always tell the story, as any father was, he was stern, he was mean, but as I got older, he was a big old child, <laughs> you know, uh, all the kids loved him. All the grandkids loved him. All we did was fish, you know, we, we drink our Jack and Coke. Salute father. Uh, we played our bid whiz, but things have changed. Um, I haven't played cards cause he's always my partner oh, on wow. the holidays. Wow. We do karaoke together. So a lot of things have changed. Okay. And, um, it hurts a little bit, you know, for him to allow me to live that night because I really don't know how I did. That's why I created the Fudge Foundation to continue fighting for survivors and, and those across the country uh, to help them to be able to move forward after they experience something so dramatic in life. Okay, so that particular evening, like what, what did that look like for you? How did you end up in the Oregon district? Who was with you? Like how did that all unfold? So that particular evening, so August 4th wasn't the first dramatic event I, I experienced. Okay. Um, May 31st, um, and this was national news, Dayton, Ohio got hit with 18 tornadoes. I'm in the Northridge area where that's one of the worst areas that the tornadoes went through. Okay. So from May to August, it was cleaning up the same thing constantly over and over and over again. And a good friend of mine was like, hey, Dion, you want to go canoeing? Because canoeing is part of my therapy. That's what I do. I get on the river, phones put up, I got my bourbon, I got my cigars, I got my music, and I just go down and I connect with life and just reset. Mm -hmm. 
So you couldn't tell me that August 4th, early in the day, that this wasn't the best day. Because I'm sitting there enjoying the day then while I'm in Springfield because the, the canoeing places in Mad Rivers in Springfield, I stopped at my mother's house and said, hey, I'm in town. Called my dad, called my sister, said, hey, come on over to mom's house. Let's have a drink. I haven't seen him in a while because I don't got time to talk on the phone. I'm, I'm busy cleaning up my house, rebuilding, helping neighbors, helping the community. So they, they end up coming over. We out there drinking. It was a beautiful night. I never forget that. Said, uh, asked my mother, would she uh, babysit my sister's sons, my nephews? She said, yeah. I said, hey, y'all want to go to the Oregon District? So we get in the car. We head up to Dayton. We stop at my house first, pick up my uh, my fiance, uh, have a pregame shot, go down to the Oregon District. Uh, I usually go to Ned Peppers. I never go to Newcombs. So we go to Ned Peppers. They won't let us in because my dad had on joggers. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. We go to, to the one across the street. So as we go to Newcombs, they weren't going to let us in. I said, man, listen, man, I haven't seen my family in, in a couple months. I'm just trying to have a good time. You know, I brought them up. I just want to experience the love. So he let us in. So while we in there having a good time, he's buying all the drinks, you know, uh, dancing, doing, 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 doing what he do. That's just my dad. Then all of a sudden we end up leaving. Well, we actually, we get kicked out because they said my dad was dancing provocative. <laughs> but my sister sent me a video showing me that. My dad was dancing social distancing wise. Like the girl didn't even know she was behind him, but I was so tired being on the river all day. I'm like, yeah, let's go. So everybody follows out, but my sister and her husband was still stuck into the bar because it was her husband's birthday. So they was in their own little, okay. own little world. So from leaving Newcombs, we end up standing in between the cars at a, a taco stand at Blind Bob's. So, what, so while waiting on my sister to come out, you know, we just sitting there talking, uh, going to order some food. I see a young white man walk down the side of Blind Bob's. He's not jogging. He's not running. He's walking. As he entered onto the sidewalk, he has on full body armor. He has a gun in his hand. He, he lifts it up. He starts shooting. Uh, to me, I don't believe this because I'm like, uh, this doesn't really happen. Across the street is nothing but police officers. I'm like, uh, he's not really doing this. But as he shoot a couple times, as you realize, there's nobody really paying attention. So there's no panic involved. Okay. So as he makes his way across the street to the Ned Pepper side, he steps over my fiance. He's, he's directly in front of my father, but my father is aligned with his sister. But I'm still not thinking that there's, there's been no, this is not real gunplay. And, um, I just look at him like, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, you're crazy. Like, you see the police across the street, but he just did what he did and went across the street and went about his business, and then all you heard was gunshots. But while the whole time I'm thinking it's not real, I'm speaking, his sister asked me, hey, can you call the police? I've been shot. So I'm now like, oh, this is real. So now I'm, I got my phone out. I'm, I'm constantly trying to call the police, but now... Since the shooting, everybody else is trying to call the police, okay. so the lines are busy. Okay. But I'm going back. Were people and running around? Was there confusion? Oh. Were people scurrying? Like oh, my gosh. If you ever pull up the YouTube videos or the CNN videos, you see people running, getting on the ground, ducking in the bars. It was, it was, it was, a, it was mayhem. Even though I wasn't in the bars after I seen the, the aftermath of the videos, I was only worried about 
what's in front of me. Gotcha. That was that was all I was worried Which about. Which was your dad and your fiance. Yeah, that's that's all I was worried okay. about. You know, I was trying to call the police for his sister to get the attention, but I'm going back from her to my father, and I'm looking at him. His eyes is open. I'm just thinking he's in shock. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I just kept saying, Dad, get the hell up. We getting the hell up out of here, because it's just stupid stuff going on. So I'm going back and forth. And then the last time I really turned on my my lights on, but I really get down on my knees and really examine his body. I put the 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 phone behind his neck and seen the blood coming out around his head, and that's when I knew that it was real. And he was just looking at me as if I, I don't know, I don't I don't know. So so he was never able to speak after that. It no, was just no, a blank no. stare. It was just a blank stare. But I just start performing CPR and saying, "Dad, come on, get up." You didn't met you didn't met through way more worse shit than this. Mm-hmm. Like get up, like come on, get up. Where was your fiance during this part of it all? So I was on the left. My dad was in the middle, and she was on the right. How he got across the street is he stepped over my fiance, and he was directly in front of my father. But I'm looking at him. The moments are so dull to me sometimes because it's so hard to really register because it happened in a matter of seconds. Okay. 32 seconds, he killed nine people and injured 27 people in 32 seconds with a 100-round ammunition. So at what point did you see the police on the scene? Really, I never really seen them. I just, heard, I just heard gunshots. Okay. It, was, it was so much gunshots going back and forth. But I was, I was, not, I was so in tune to only what's in front of me. I didn't care what was going on down the street or nothing. It was just, Dad, get up. And he wasn't getting up. So I just kept doing CPR, yelling for help. And, you know, um, the ambulance and them, they wasn't allowed to get out because their higher up said there might be a, a, a second shooter on the scene. So they was told to stay on, on their vehicle. So I'm just sitting there screaming, just, you know, doing CPR and just yelling. And after I really realized that my father's leaving me, I just grabbed him and just hold on to him and just kept telling him I loved him. And, mm, mm-hmm. Wow. So... I'm glad you're here to tell your side of the story because oftentimes when we get the slant from the media, it's the piece that they want us to believe, they want us to see. But you were in fact there. So what you're giving us is facts, not maybes or could have been. It's it's a fact because you were right there when it happened. So what do we know about this kid prior to the shooting? Was there, how, what has been disclosed about him since then? Well, we didn't have uh, we we have had FBI debrief meetings with the families, uh, sharing his emails, his text messages showing that he uh, was Antifa, uh, leftist, uh, want to cause harm on people, had a rape list, had a murder list at the high school at Bellbrook. Oh my God! And um, it just got it just got it kept getting swept under the rug. It kept getting swept under the rug until until it really happened, and and that's what really made me mad, you know. I blame Connor because he is the actual shoot the shooter, but I also blame the school because I really feel like they could have really took some type of action towards his his message. Had anybody talked about any of his text messages or who he texted or anything? Was there a warning? Yeah, yeah, it was plenty of warnings. Like after the shooting, you had people that was doing interviews saying uh, his ex girlfriend saying he had a murder list or rape list. He was having it in the bathrooms. Like, how does this not how does this just keep going without getting no attention? As a black man, if I sit in the classroom right now and say, I'm going to kill this and this and that, 
I'm going to get locked up. Absolutely. And that's what really made me mad. So we we filed a lawsuit against the high school, but the, it got blocked because due to like the HIPAA law. Okay. But it's something similar to the HIPAA law where they can't disclose, disclose. this information. Okay. But my thing is this, that right there, we can save we can save lives across the country because if we see them type of patterns happening in school, absolutely, we can start doing something to help these children instead of letting it go on unresolved. And that's that's what really makes me mad about the situation. Have his parents ever spoken out? No, they haven't. No. Um, I wrote them a letter telling them that I forgive because, mm -hmm. you know, in order to move forward, you have to forgive. I don't forget nothing. And a lot of people agree with me. A lot of people don't. But I got to do what's right for me. Right. And I know being angry is bad for the soul. Being angry will, will make you look old, beat you down. So in order to do my fight, I have to I have to forgive to 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 be able to have my vision clear, whatever God has for me, because that anger will block everything that's that's in front of me due okay. to my. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I commend you for that. I know I've heard you speak and I've heard you speak on mental health. So what has this whole process done for your mental health? At first, you know, being a black man um, and, and, and I'm not going to lie, like even through the tornado, when they, they reached out to me like, Dion, do you need mental health or anything like that? No, I need to get my house back together. I don't got, I don't got, I don't need, I don't got time for this. But that's just, that's just what we had been taught, just to keep moving forward, keep moving forward. But I find myself getting angry. I have a family. I have a kid. I can become dangerous to myself. I can become dangerous to them, to others. And I made the, the step to reach out to a, a therapist and said, "Hey, I need you." Okay. And you know, um, I go every Thursday, and, it, and it's been a it's been a great place for me to 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 really just let loose and breathe and I cry and I just I go to sleep. It's it's my place of serenity. Wow. Yeah. That's good because um I will agree with you that um it's kind of taboo that black men especially um don't seek that help even when they know there's some mental issues going on. Um I've talked to my uncle who was an ex Vietnam vet and he dealt with it. He dealt with all the PTSD that came with it. So I can only imagine, you know, like for him, 4th of July was one of those holidays that he right. could not go out there. And so how do you deal with those kind of things? Do you go back to the Oregon district? Um, so one thing I can say that I'm blessed with, I, I kind of, I kind of break my own self down. So I, I kind of figure out what my, my own triggers are. Okay. So I try to stay away from them as much as I can. But, you know, like I tell survivors, you got to find what you love to do to bring you back to peace. So my thing that I love to do is canoeing. Um, I go to Houston. Um, there's a hotel I go to every every time, about every 90 days to decompress. If I want to go to church, my good friend uh, Rudy Rasmus, he's a Beyonce knows pastor. He does all her philanthropy work for Beehive and all that. So if I want to go to church, I go there or he'll come there. But usually I just go there, cry drink, swim, watch TV, turn my phones off, and I reset myself so okay. when I come back home, I'm able to fight and I'm, I'm a little bit more recharged, but you gotta take time for yourself. Mm -hmm. You gotta take time for yourself because if your cup is empty, I can't pour into you. Can't pour anymore out I got, you, got, you gotta make sure your cup is at least have something in it, so you, got, you gotta do something that you love. And a lot of survivors like, I don't have time to do this. You gotta find time for yourself mm -hmm. if this is gonna help you, if, if it helps you. So uh, 
I always think that your journey is so amazing because when I hear you speak, um, you take it into a different direction every time. Like initially it was being your dad's voice and telling the story. And then you went into the mental health piece. And now I know you're, you're considering other options. Right. Share with me what those options are. So, you know, um, much as I don't like to say it on the legislation side, but I do a, a lot of legislation work and change a lot of laws. You know, the victims of crime advocate, you know, uh, working on it here in Ohio, because that really was the, the push to my journey. Because, you know, sitting at home and getting a letter from the attorney general saying that we can't help you due to your dad's past. His past don't have nothing to do with his future when this person was evil minded and killed all these 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 innocent lives. So that was something that made me want to get involved to help families out because I know the people that are not getting this help are in the black and brown community. So I, I stood up against that and fought for that. So we got to drop to we got to drop down to five years. But I'm also working on it across the country on the victim of crime and these resources help with mental health, uh, burial expenses, being off work, just all the certain things that a lot of a lot of survivors don't even know that these resources even exists. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to bring awareness to the community and to people of color and to, to anybody that needs these resources, but also um, working against, a, I got a, a lawsuit in right now against the ammunition company that sold a hundred round ammunition drum to try to get that taken off the, the market, you know, because at the end of the day, you're not hunting animals, you're, no. hunt, you're hunting humans. Absolutely. And I'm not no shooter, but with 100 rounds, I can go left to right, up to down, circle, square. I'm going to hit something. That's right. So I've been fighting that. And there's probably more. I, I know I did some more. I'm just so lost right now. <laughs> I've just been fighting, you know, to stand your ground. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because, um, you know, recently that law passed in Ohio. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> I don't see the need for it, but... I know they have it in Florida and other states, and I've seen the carnage um, from those other states. Um, so how do you feel about the stand your ground rule, especially in the situation that your family found itself in? So when I spoke, when we had a conversation in the state house on this, when I was speaking, speaking on it as a, as a proponent, they asked me, uh, would stand your ground, would it, have saved your, would it have saved people's lives when the shooting would happen? So I said this, so if the shooter came out and you, Carla, with your with your gun, start shooting him, and the police came and seen you shooting him. Now they shoot you. Now it's just it's just all wild out, wild wild west. Yeah. So I mean, we already have a law, the Castro the Castro doctrine. That's mm -hmm. you know, but it's still not for black and brown people. True. But I really don't know why we need to implement stand your ground where right now we're trying to deescalate the situation, mm -hmm. and that's what really made me mad. Like I was in that state house all December, all January, in big COVID numbers. But I'm sitting here putting my heart on the line saying, hey, we don't need this. So did you ever talk to the governor about the stand your ground? Well, me and the governor, you know, he's probably mad at me because, you know, he he wrote, he came to Dayton after the shooting uh, with the do something, came to my father's funeral, uh, write letters. But did you do something? Yeah, he signed that bill. So... It is what it is, you know, and um, you got to be called out for that. Like, I, 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 I just don't understand these politicians. Like, they're scared to bump shoulders with the with the with with the people that they're in bed with. But if you don't get reelected, that's fine. But 
you can change lives. You can save lives. Like, that is the ultimate goal to protect your citizens, your people of Ohio. Like, right. You know, and, and, that, and that's my thing. Like, I don't care what nobody tells you. Tells me, like, I, I have conversation with Congress, and we'll have two different opinions, but at the end of the day, they say, Dion, I, they don't understand, but they say, I understand why you feel this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share my heart. You share your opinion, I'm going to share mine. Because yours is opinion, mine is I'm living through it. Based on your facts. And I'm still living through it to right. this day while I'm talking right. to you. Right. So did I hear that you spoke with Biden or you wrote him a letter or what was that? I have spoke spoke to him about okay. the stand your ground and passing the law with the with the the stand your ground bill. It's just Just a conversation? Just a conversation. So where do your sister, your brother-in-law, your fiance, where do they stand now? Because I know what kind of work you're doing to heal yourself. Right. Where do they stand? Well, my sister, she's, um, you know, I check on her all the time. Um, she's having a rough time. My fiance, she's having a rough time. Like I said, we, we can identify triggers. Like one of my triggers is police sirens. Okay. Because that night there was a lot of sirens, crowds, loud noise. There's so many things that that can trigger me mm-hmm. that I wouldn't think would ever trigger me. So I'm so happy that I, I can I can identify that and know what, how to stay away from it or to be prepared to go through it. But okay. um, you know, uh, we do a counseling, um, and and I share this with couples. Like it was hard. So you got to imagine living in a house with PTSD with your fiance that been through the tornado and the shooting with you. If you look up uh, the statistics, usually the couples never make it through. Make it, yeah. So, and it was a rough. It was a rough start. So she go to her counselor. I go to my counselor, and then I let her come to my counselor, and I sit back and let her ask questions and share what I'm going through because she would get mad because I can't attend to her, but I don't know how to attend to myself. Right. Understood. Understood. I I can't give you nothing if I don't even know what I'm going through. Mm But as a as a female, me not being ever to to provide and what's the name, it was, it was becoming a it was becoming a problem. I'm like, come to counseling. So we we she do her counseling, I do mine, and she comes to mine once a month, and nice. that and that's what and that's nice. what we do now. So aside from all of the many things that you do and all of the many people that you that you touch, I noticed that you also show up for the mothers who have lost their children to police violence which really doesn't have anything to do with your journey. But then there's that little tiny piece that mirrors that journey. So what does that look like? It does have to do with that journey. That's police terrorism and that's domestic terrorism. Yes, mine was a mass shooting, but deep down in that family, it's a police family. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Nine times out of 10, it's a... The yeah. mass shooting to be police yeah. families. So it's all it's all tied in some way, somehow. Okay. You know. He just didn't get to put that suit on. But you know, but um So do you look at him as a victim of police violence like we do the mother who have lost their children since he was killed by the police? No. No. Okay. No. No. Okay. Not, not at all. Okay. I mean, and that's fair. I just I couldn't add him to my list. Understood. Based on the fact that the, the crime that he committed. He's on a terrorist list. Yeah. And, you know, um, and they, they didn't, they, they want to just keep labeling it as a mass shooting. But like I told you earlier, 
that was a d domestic terrorism. It right. was more blacks, transgender, and immigrants than whites. That's a hate crime. But was it ever put out there in the public by the officials as a hate crime? No, it was like they, w they wanted to get over it fast. But I won't allow that because I'm going to keep being a voice. I'm going to keep being a nag. I'm going to keep being in their ear. And this situation will never go dead because, once again, I'm the voice of the voiceless for right. their families and, and numerous families across the country. And I was going to ask, so do you communicate with any families from any of the other mass shootings? Oh, uh, yes. Sandy Hook, um, uh, Florida. Sandy Hook, Parkland, Pulse, uh, Emmanuel 9, the movie theater, Las Vegas, the Moss. Mm. Indianapolis, Atlanta, speak to them all. Like, it's just, excuse my language, it's a shitty network to be in. But, you know, um, we got to show them that we're there for them to lean on if they need to because it's it's a network that we didn't choose. Absolutely. But we all have to have a shoulder to lean on. Like, I even have to have a shoulder to lean on because, you know, some days I'm human. Mm -hmm. and, and like I tell my survivors, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And some days I'm not okay. Yeah. Wow. Some days I'm not okay. The trauma of it all. I mean, you know, I again, I, I pay attention to how you've grown in this short period of time and the journey and the path that you take and how you support others and how you embrace them. I've watched Sabrina and Lisa and Adrian, and, and I could probably name more moms that right. you have been there for. Um, I remember like we talked about earlier me seeing you speak in cincinnati and i was confused like that was fresh too it sure was i didn't know that then so when they said yeah dion's gonna speak and i was like okay i'm confused and then when i heard you speak i was like okay well his dad wasn't killed by the police and then it all started to tie in right. and it all started to make sense because what i've noticed is there is that parallel, hmm. a loss is a loss. And that pain can be universal. And so bringing it together with a mom who has lost her child, be it to street violence or the police, right? we all understand what that pain feels like. And so it made sense that when it all started to come together that you know the families will come and support you and you will go and support them. And the network to me is amazing. You are surrounded by the people that I know, I consider a group of amazing women. They are. And then I listen to you and I think he's probably one of few men that I see on a platform speaking about anything that has anything to do with pain. Um, seldom do I see the dads. There are a few that yeah, will speak up true. or that will be in the background supporting. But for you to be on the forefront and then lead the way you have and making power moves. I mean, to get a call from a congresswoman and, and they're telling you, hey, it's time. And I agree, like, I believe that the changes come when you families who are directly impacted mm -hmm. take those seats because the people that are currently in the seats haven't been affected. And so they can only hear your voice and say, well, yeah, I'll try and I'll take this bill and we'll, we'll see what happens. And it sits on a desk. Right. But when you guys start to put the power behind the action, that's when we start seeing moves being made, right. changes. And I see you making changes. If I'm not mistaken, correct me, are you the first to sue a gun company in a situation like this? Yeah, I'm the first to sue the ammunition company. 
Yep, over the uh, the hundred round drum ammo. Mm. Yep. That's the first national lawsuit. Ever. That's huge. Right. That's huge. And so you can only move up as you do this because um, when I think about the families on the other side of the fight, they don't see the change that you see. Right. You know, we might get um, like right now we're working on trying to remove qualified immunity in Ohio. Yeah. And it's a fight. Everything's a fight. And we continue and we keep getting knocked down like, oh, no, this isn't right. Oh, no, that's not right. Um, but we're not giving up. And that's what I see in you. Like, I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm in this fight to the end. And that's what that's what's needed in these type of fights is to the end. People um, get discouraged and they're like, well, you know, they won. Can't be discouraged. Yeah. So I know there's been numerous um, mass shootings. And we talked earlier that a mass shooting is really three or more people, correct? Right. right. Um, who have been shot by a person. Attention wise, I don't see the attention on all of the mass shootings or even a large portion of them. Um, some of them you hear about it and it goes away. So what's your take on that? So that is, that is the awareness that I, that I bring to the media and to to those that are sharing them as students because they only speak about Sandy Hook or Pulse. I know it all hurts because we all has lost a loved one, but some shooters are predominantly white and some are people of color. And it seemed like the ones people of color are only getting looked at one day then swept under the rug. But I speak to the, I speak to those. As my shooting was, was more dominantly color, we need to let America love on them and shine the light on them instead of keep shining on Sandy Hook. I'm not trying to take nothing away from them, but there are more people in this country that are needing help, and we need to get that help and resources to them and let America love on them and fund and give them whatever they want to give them to help them be able to live a normal life. So if you were to take a spotlight and shine it on one particular mass shooting that you feel needs attention, where would you? El Paso and Odessa. So what happened in those two places? So if you don't know, there was two mass shootings on my on my day. El Paso happened at 11 and mine's happened at midnight. So it was a total of 39 people that got killed that day. That day. That was at the Walmart. But oh, yes. Yeah. So, yes. So me and Pastor Green, his daughter got killed there. So we speak all the time there. But then the following day, there was a shooting on a, in Odessa, Texas on the highway where a dude got out and killed like eight people on the highway. But in them areas, it's more Hispanic, people of color. Mm -hmm. So I would love America to love on them, to lift them up. Like they did the others. Definitely. So where do you go from here? What's What do you see moving forward? <sighs> I see you have a book. I wanted to plug your book. Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, I wrote this book. It's called Untitled, Active God, Active Man. Um, and the reason why it's called Untitled, because... These events was untitled. This is my house. Uh, Act of God was the tornado. The act of man was the shooting. Um, and it all came from therapy. To know the the truth behind this book, I have never read this book. You haven't? Never. Okay. I wrote this during my therapy. This is one of my things that I tell, and, and, I, and I even tell survivors, write what's on your mind, write what's on your heart. Because it's always better out than in. Man. So if someone wanted to get this book, they where can, would they find it? They can go on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Okay. And, uh, you can get on an ebook, you can get an audio book, or you can get a regular book. 
Okay. But um, yeah. But you know, I need mine signed before you leave uh, this you office. You know, I got you. <laughs> you I just want to share one thing, like, and it took me a while to learn that on my journey. Like, a lot of family, a lot of people will always say, Dion, at least you was there with your father in the last moments. At first, I would get mad. Like, why would you say that? But as I as I continue to grow in my journey and, and to move forward, I see what they were saying. As my dad was leaving this earth, he got to know that his son was still living. Because he probably thought I was laying right on the ground right beside right. him. Right. But it, it pissed me off because you know what? This is a vision that I'm never gonna get out of my mind. I play it every day. What if I did this? What if I did that? What if I did this? I know we play the what if game, but that's a moment that, think about it. All those families who have been affected by that, none of them had, none of them had their son or their daughter right. to hold them in those last moments um, to let them know that I'm here and I'm gonna love you until the end. But do I? But did I? But did I really want that? You probably didn't. You know. But guess what? We don't write the book. We like, just walk the path. We write the path. And so um, think about how what it looks like for someone who look at COVID and all those people who had to die alone. Right. And maybe there was a nurse to hold a cell phone up. And, and that's why I did, like, if you ever, if you pull up some stories, you'll see the, the stories that I did. Like, you know, uh, speaking is part of my therapy. Mm -hmm. So when COVID came, it kind of, it kind of shut me down and I was getting a little, it came around March, April. That's when all my anniversaries coming up, mm -hmm. my first year anniversary. So I started donating to Salvation Armies, to places to help families out, doing hurricane relief trip missions down to Lake Charles, Louisiana, because mm -hmm. they got hit by the tornado, I mean, by the hurricanes. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that was my, my way to giving back. But just seeing how, and, and, and I was challenging people, like, that tornado, people that was in that, like, you don't know if you're going to have your your house or all these people that, that are that are in tune to their, their salary and this, this, and that, things change right overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's why I challenge people, like, hey, when you get your job back, donate to Salvation Army to this and that to that and this because I don't know you I don't have the funds but I'm 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 going to help out mm -hmm. so I you know that that was that was something that got me through my moments but it was a hard it was a hard time so you mentioned the Fudge Foundation what is it and what does it do so the Fudge Foundation it uh is geared toward helping survivors with mental health uh, advocacy and just being there being a support system and whatever needs you know that that I can be supportive to them. But mental health is definitely one of them barrel expenses because we, we're starting to see that a lot of families are not having life insurance. And that's something that I really want to start sharing in the community. Like, we have to start getting this life insurance. Yeah. Because there's a lot of families doing GoFundMes and yeah. this, this, and that. Like, let's start protecting our, our family and, and having- And our priorities. Right, right. You know, yeah. don't look at it as insurance. Look at it as an inheritance. That's what they look at it like. That's true. That's true. You're right. You know, let's let's you know. So you know, but that goes with, and and I tell every big organization and this this and that. The main thing of running a foundation or being who you are in the community is awareness, mm. and that means giving giving the awareness to the community. Of, these resources are here. This is there. This is there. Because you can live right here and across the street, and across the street knows about all the resources that are in the community, yes. and you don't know about nothing. Right. So somebody has to keep 
sharing them resources and that awareness like, hey, these are available. This is that. Because a lot of people don't even know about victims of crime. Right, right. And, 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 and it's sad because you're right. There are tons of resources out there and we don't know how to get our hands on them. And fortunately for you, you were aware of certain things or those things have come in your path. But I wouldn't know right. I, if something happened to me, like what you went through, I wouldn't know what direction to go and how to get there. And it's funny because when we have the police involved shootings, I could tell you most of the resources, most of the roads to travel or who at least to link you up with what mother has been through this so that she can help guide you through this. Right. So I don't know. Do you have a network like that yes. with the mass shooters? Yes. Mass yes, shootings? yes. I'm yes, sorry. I do. But you know, I, it sucks. Cause I'm like, God, he, he makes, he takes me through everything mm -hmm. for me to be able to share for everybody else. And that's what my legacy is. It's not about, what I have, what I give is about me helping others. And they say, Dion, how do you do this fight? So this is how I compare my fight. So I compare my fight as a Superman analogy. So when I help survivors, that's my kryptonite because I endure their pain while I'm still grieving. But you know, Superman's energy was the sun. So the sun is when I start to see the survivors starting to talk and let it out and be able to help others. Now I recharge and then I wow. move on to the next one. So that's that's what keeps me going. When I see a survivor be able to step up and share their story and to be able to save the next person or be able to, to relate to the next person is like, mm -hmm. all right. Wow, you know? that's powerful. Um, so I went to Florida um, to visit my family. And while I was there, um, I wanted to see what Pulse looked like. I wanted to mm. see, I wanted to, put myself in that space yeah. to feel it right. um, because I watched the, the documentary and to go down there and to see all of the memorials. There was a guy who said he comes down there every single day. Um, his best friend got killed in there. He said, I can feel his spirit when I come down here. So I come every day. And so I'm sure things have changed, but then there's things that are the same in the Oregon district. Right, right. And so what is, what's that feeling like to, to revisit that place? So it definitely is a moment, but God didn't instill fear into us. So I will reclaim that street, that area. It might not be today, it might not be this year, it might not be next year, but I will reclaim it slowly but surely. So. But it, it, it definitely has a, a different feeling. And my head is on a swivel. Mm -hmm. And my senses are all heightened. Because I'm paying attention, moving around, doing this, doing that. But I will not allow fear to, to overcome me. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Um, I commend you. You know, to be able to even sit here, not, but two years now? Yeah, two two years later to be able to sit here and share it like that has to be somewhat therapeutic it is almost just uh, you didn't see it but I, I was about to cry but i i brought myself back almost and and i tell people it's all right to cry yeah that's part of healing yeah 
I don't care. I'm a man. I've been through a lot. I'm yeah. cool. I, I don't. I don't mind crying. I'm fine with wow. that. It's 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 emotional. I mean, anytime someone dies, it's emotional. Let's Definitely. just be honest. Definitely. Um, but in a sense where it's like they were taken unjustly. Man, <sighs> we had a great night. I could, you couldn't tell me in a million years that my night would have ended like that from me being on the river having a great night ha having a blast with my dad and that was the last time I was going to ever see him ever again in my life couldn't tell me that couldn't tell me that and it still bothers me to this day and 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 I understand and to be able to be there like I, I'm going to say the cliche of what everybody else said to you at least you were able to be there. He didn't have to be alone. Right. It, I mean, look at the kid's sister. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so to be able to embrace your dad like that. It, it took me a while to understand what they was meaning. Yeah. But my dad got to leave peacefully knowing that his son was still alive yeah. to, to live through him. And that's why I do what I do. Wow. Hands down. Um, I love you. I, I love you. I love your, your fight, your journey. Um, you sitting here with me and sharing this and, and let's be clear. We've talked many, many times. Yeah. We've had this conversation on different levels, um, in small segments. Um, but for me to get everything from your heart and all of the facts behind it. So I don't have to go to CNN and go, I wonder what happened to Derek Fudge. No. No, I'm going to get it straight from me. his son who was there with him. And what a blessing um, you have been to us um, in this fight, sharing your story, looking to help other people who are going through what you've been through um, and giving back. Can't imagine this soon you being able to give back the way you have. And 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 it and it, it does bother me a little bit because when I'm out speaking, I tell families like I don't have to be here. It don't matter how many laws I didn't change, how many people's life I didn't save. My story is written. When I get in my car after this podcast, I cannot call my dad. He is gone. But for those that are still out there that can save their loved ones. Get involved some way, somehow. So if someone wanted to give to the Fudge Foundation, where do they go? They can go to thefudgefoundation.org. Fudgefoundation.org, okay. Um, Dion, again, I thank you so much for being here. Um, I share your pain. Um, I don't have any tears to cry tonight because, trust me, I have laid them down before for people like you who have touched my heart, who I know is sincere about what you talk about and sincere about how you go about making these changes. Um, the only thing that I could ever ask from you is to keep fighting. And if there's something that I can do to help you in this fight, if there's something that people who watch this podcast can do to help you in this fight, it's a phone call away. Whether we're here in Columbus, whether it's in California, Dayton, wherever we are. Um, I did want to mention this. Um, so when I talk about Dion's fight with his dad, let me just say that's not where it ended. Dion had a cousin who was killed by the police in Springfield. Mm. So we talk about 
the loss of your house, the loss of your father, and then you muster up enough energy to go and fight for Eric Cole. Mm. And <laughs> I, I, you, you, when you say Superman, I'm starting to believe that because that would have took this, that would have took me out to think about, I've got to rebuild my home and my whole entire life. Where do I start? And then right after that, I'm with my dad and I lose my dad. And then two years later, a cousin killed by the police. And then it was a cover up. Right. No less. Like after that, like what the hell? Ran over by the police. and The amazing piece to me was the cover up. He gets hit by the police on a Friday, on a Friday, no, on a Saturday. And then they don't let nobody know till on a Monday. And then they switch cars. <laughs> they switch, they switch vehicles. Um, she already had some speeding infractions, right? And then she comes from a family of officers. And so the cover up was real or so they thought. Right. Let's be clear. So they thought because it was exposed and the beauty of this case versus so many others that I've been involved in is that it's been picked up. Right. The attorney general did pick it up about two, three weeks ago when I sent it to you. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm going to stay on them. Um, pay attention. So here's what I say about your power. So we go to Springfield and the shit was shut down shut it all the way <laughs> before we could even like get they heard you had organized we were coming down what was the city hall was closed yeah, down city hall the, the courthouse court everything was closed now <laughs> and i thought that was amazing because most of that was family that came down there they were all family they came ready with signs they brought the babies they don't play and they were ready they don't play they here's what was here's when i cried when we went around that corner and they laid in the middle of the street I told everybody laying that with street. no fear whatsoever and the police cop he stopped his car and turned his lights on like there's nothing else i can do i can't i i can't do anything else but stop and no one ever came and said get up move get out of here that was powerful. They, they they respect me down there. As they should. They they respect me. We we don't bring no drama. We just bring an attention. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what and that's and that's what we gonna bring attention. You know, um, when I do these protests, I I bring whatever media I got for for these families to let their families' voices be known. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about all of us. Right. And if I got it, you got it. And that's what it is. You have it. You have the Werenthal, you have the know-how, and you have that spirit within you that keeps you fighting. I'm telling you, I've seen families here give up. Like emotionally, they have nothing else to give. They give up. And you just keep, like the Energizer Bunny, mm -hmm. you just keep coming and coming and coming. And so that just energizes the rest of us like, huh, if he's got all this energy to fight these fights like this, we can at least be steadfast in one good fight right and so um, and i do it by myself i don't do it by myself but i do but i have you behind me and and the families but i do it by myself you know because i don't have the mass shooting families behind me like mm -hmm. you know the the ohio families of police brutality you know even though it's always something but y'all stand together when it's time yeah. to stand together yeah me i just put it together and i just pray on it you know but uh 
I got great people in my corner like you and, and other mothers that that's that's been around that come support and and stand beside me and, and that's all it means. I don't care if it's three people out there. Yeah. We're going to make noise like this 20. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, again, I so appreciate you being here. Um, you're welcome to come back on this couch at any time and we can chop it up about whatever. Um, I, I just have this feeling like maybe in a few years I'll be calling and like, um, I know your schedule is really heavy, <laughs> Senator or Congressman, but would you oblige me by coming and having that? Well, it is a possibility that I might be running. Okay. So, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just letting God lead, lead me in the you. right direction. Absolutely. You know? Well, I will definitely keep you in prayer for your safety and your mental health and your strength to continue to fight the fight um, wherever it leads you. You got my support. Amen. Well, that was the Effort Hour, and um, I appreciate my brother being here. Thank you all for paying attention and listening. Again, the FudgeFoundation.org, if you want to give, if you want to get involved, um, please. There's always a place for help, and uh, we appreciate you. So, Effort, we're out.